and we're live. Welcome back, Purgers. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Theologians. We are so excited you're joining us once again to recap one of our favorite shows, which is just getting darker and darker and more resistier. And I know that's not a word, but I love it. I'm with you. It's getting, it's, it's turning into documentary style, like filming. Documentary style filmmaking on The Purge. Well, we just want to give a quick shout out to the Engaged Gays who hosts um, our podcast and has a lot of great content on there. And if you haven't already, make sure you go over to our social channels on Facebook and Twitter at Pop Theologians and give us a follow or a like because we are having quite a lot of fun on Twitter when we're live tweeting the show, if I must say so myself. Yes, yes, we are. Um, Marcy, what happened this week? <laughs> anything? Anything of importance, like the failure of our democracy, the downfall of our democracy? Yeah, I have, I have so many pop culture references I can pull from. Like, I feel like Amidala when she's like, "So this is how like justice and liberty dies at the sound of like applause." Um, but then I also have been singing Les Misérables, like for like the last like three days in between like rage screaming and crying. So <sighs> so to all of our listeners, we all know that um, while you're listening to this, we now have a new Supreme Court justice who has been accused of sexual assault. Um, I don't, let's see what else has he been doing. Lying under oath. Right. Uh, perjury. Um, perjury. I mean, the list goes on. Right. I, I, so as of um, yesterday, I consider the Supreme Court illegitimate. Me too. Uh, I did not say that with, um, with the last appointment because while I did not agree with the last appointment and the way that everything was done, uh, this is an extremely different situation. So fuck you, Supreme Court. You are illegitimate. And I feel awful for the... Supreme Court justices on the court who they themselves like have expressed fear that this has delegitimized the the court and its authority but like sorry sorry like yeah yeah you but oh let's uh, pop culture Gandalf you have no power here you shall not like honestly like it's over like (laughs) I literally feel like this is the point where in the dystopian novel like the chapter ends because we all know what's going to happen next. The downfall is going to occur. The judges are going to side with the government because why wouldn't they? Because power likes to keep power and we're all going to go into districts and I better get my woodworking skills going. Right. So like, I'm going to now consider the three branches of government, the devil's triangle, (laughs) because that's what we're looking at. Like we're looking at completely broken systems um, that have failed the majority of Americans. So obviously the Kavanaugh nomination and approval into the Supreme Court is devastating. Um, And I wanna make something clear, like it is not just devastating for women. Like this is so bad for any single human being that is listening who is American and will be under the rule of the Supreme Court. Like I, like I expect to see obviously women's rights rolled back, but LGBTQ rights, like um, civil, civil rights actions, like healthcare, 
the rule of law, like affirmative action, affirmative action. Um, I, any hope I had of this administration and its treasonous acts with Russia and also meddling with the um, election, like I completely now think that anything, like Mueller could come out with a video of like Trump training like Russian bots to like intervene, like it's done, like not everything's done. So, so yeah, so what happened this week? Like the Supreme Court fell. That's like the, that's how I'm going to describe it. Like, the ministry have fa- has fallen. The ministry has fallen. <laughs> Fuck, scrimjoy. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of pop culture. Maybe it's because I navigate in dystopian and fantasy stuff, but like it really feels close. So, I will have to say, Marcy, that I did use that for a press release I wrote for one of the organizations. Yes, of the I, so um, for folks listening, I immediately went to like, um, the Ministry Has Fallen, which is a Harry Potter reference. Um, so I keep wondering, like, where we are, like, in, in my grand narratives of dystopian and fantasy lit. So um, I think in the Hunger Games, uh, this is, like, we're, re- we're inching up close to, like, full-on revolution, right? I think I already said where we are in Star Wars. Um, and in Harry Potter, like, we're 100%, like, the... Um, Patronus has arrived and it's like, yo, get your shit together, disappear, put your shit in order. Like our systems have fallen. The death eaters are in power. And actually, John, how gorgeous is this? So like one of my friends yesterday on Facebook, um, who I didn't even realize was a Harry Potter reader was like, Hey y'all, I think the ministry has fallen. How do we get some auras out here? And like, I responded back like to him and I put like whispers like we are the oars <laughs> like this is us like this we're all we've got in regards to resistance right mm-hmm. um we have a lot to resist right now so we need to like dismantle these systems the electoral college is a remnant of a slavery history that no longer works of a rural plantation Um, vision for the U.S. that doesn't work. Like, there is no reason someone from Ohio, Wisconsin gets six to seven times more power in a vote than, like, a Californian. And, like, for anyone who's like, yeah, but the liberal elites, no, dude, it's a vote for a vote. Like, Mm -hmm. I completely agree. You cannot possibly pretend to be democratic and think anything other than one vote equals one vote. Sorry about your luck. Look, as global warming comes in, a lot of us are going to end up moving to the Midwest because everything else is sinking. It's still a vote for a vote. <laughs> and uh, corporations are still are now going to have a vote pretty soon, I'm sure. Well, dark money, right? Like, you don't have to give corporations a vote if they can infuse every single race with so much money that, like, there's... It's just... It's really dark. So, John, because I am the pessimist and I... <laughs> can't bring myself to I'm more of a Katniss than a Hermione so I'm a little darker I wish I was a Hermione tell tell me how I resist right now so we are literally less than a month away from the November 6th midterm elections and there are so many races if you live in the home state where Marcy lives you can help with the senatorial race because you have um, Governor Rick Scott who is an asshole who um, caused the red tide took so much money from sugar companies that caused it because he cut restrictions there right. um, running <laughs> healthcare running against um, Bill Nelson the 
current senator, who's a Democrat through and through, unlike Joe Manchin, who, spoiler alert, I'm definitely purging this week. Um, Hi. <laughs> yeah, and um, then you also have um, a gubernatorial race there. You have um, the chance to elect um, not one, but two, hopefully nationwide, um, uh, African-American individuals, one man and one woman from Georgia, Stacey Abrams. And he's running against, and the one running in Florida um, is running against Andrew a Gillum. racist. Yeah, Andrew Gillum is running against a racist. Oh so, my gosh, like this soccer. is, if you guys have not seen this, Google the Florida governor race wall commercial. The... Um, DeSantis, who's running against Andrew Gillum, put out maybe the craziest like ad I've ever seen. I don't know if other states are getting it, but it is bananas. But um, so yeah, obviously, like this is the time where we um build coalitions when it comes to voting, but also where it comes to putting our money. So I am not wealthy. Uh, I'm not. Uh, but I can give up a coffee, I can give up a croissant. I can give up a movie ticket. Like, guys, the intentionality behind funding right now is super important. So mm-hmm. put your dollar where your heart is right now. Like, Put your dollar where the people need it the most. That's in Texas. That's with Heidi Heidkamp in um, the North Dakota. She's tra- trailing horribly behind her opponent it's going to be extremely close but she actually did the right thing she was in a really tough race and she voted against brett kavanaugh so shout out to heidi heidkamp you're definitely not getting purged this week no all right y'all so clearly it is time to resist right now the new founding fathers have risen amongst our ranks in our time not in purge time in our time and while the purge seems like something that's like fun and like you know, it lives in our pop culture mentality. Like it is happening as we speak. Like um, I, I wanted to end with this before we go into breaking it down. We talk a lot about the violence that's state sanctioned by the new founding fathers. I want to put something on the table that I think we all have to sit with. We have in our world right now, state sanctioned violence against people of color, against women, against our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, against Latinos, like state sanctioned. That is the purge. That's the purge. Like Tamir Rice being shot on a playground, that's the purge. Um, Latino kids stuck in cages in the middle of a desert, that's the purge. A woman who has to take her own health into her own hands in a back Abby, that is the purge. So this is not just bullshit like, yo, I love this show. I do love this show, but we were super intentional about why we chose this show. And that's because the purge has been saying really important stuff for the last couple of years. Um, and these types of shows and discussions are so important because they build the bridges between what's happening in this mythical world that we kind of like delve into and dig into and our own. So I think it's time, so appropriate, to talk about episode five titled Rise Up. This is not a test. This is an emergency.
emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of Class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. Commencing at the siren, any and all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 continuous hours. Police, fire, and emergency medical services will be unavailable until tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. when the purge concludes. Blessed be our new founding fathers and America, a nation reborn. May God be with you all. So, John, let's break down this episode. Let's break down the episode. Let's do it. Talk to me about Rick. So, Rick... um, is definitely suffering for what I now call white man allure, and he is falling for the NFFA. Right. I think we're watching the slow addiction to power and um, and wealth start to infect Rick in like a very real way, right? Yeah. Um, I And I think it actually, even more interesting, is stemming from an insecurity with women so I think he's super insecure with Jalila and starting to get angry. And he sees himself reflected in the new founding fathers. So of course it's going to be attractive. Yeah, I definitely think that he's one of those guys now that is seeing this a lord of power. He just made this really wealthy deal with the Stantons. Um, and, you know, it's almost like if we go back to a time where like, it's in Charlottesville, you know, they're at their little riot, their white night riot. And, you know, he's like, what's going to happen? Oh, no, I'm angry. I should go get a tiki torch from Pier 1, too, and wear my finest white polo shirt and march around Charlottesville. Like, you can totally see the allure, like, hitting him away. And you well, can see they how... they hand out those daggers, right? Yes. That's not like when he went for the gun. Like it was a very like intentional, like, yeah, I'm going to grab this fucking dagger. And then he hid it too. So he's definitely planning on using it somewhere. Right. Like there's a, there's a small part of me that's hoping that like he gets his shit together, (laughs) gets Jenna out of there and baby Jenna. (laughs) like uh, Baby Jenna. Baby Garbanzo. I call all like yeah, no, that's the official name for the child. We named it a few episodes ago. Yeah, Garbanzo. I'm hoping that that is what we're seeing Rick do. But I'm going to be real honest. It might be the week we've had. That dagger to me is, is probably a very real threat to Jenna and Garbanzo and Lila. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I keep thinking of like MRA and incel groups and how they kind of grab power um, amongst very insecure dudes. So it's interesting to see how they're working that. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting because you really have this person who is wants to be addicted to power or could be addicted to power. And everyone in this room is also addicted to that same type of rush that you get when you get power. And so you do have these people that are a part of these larger groups that we see in Charlottesville, that we see writing for Breitbart, you know, that are really right. insult in their nature. And definitely right. um, baby Garbanzo is in a lot of trouble. Agreed, agreed. And like, I think it's important to, to look at symbolism and some of this stuff. Like daggers, historically, we talk about them as stabbing people in the back, right? So this isn't some type of like, um, like blue... Uh, lightsaber like this is a very real visual clue for people who are watching um do you think do you think stanton wants 
garbanzo because there's something weird happening with how attentive they all are to jenna being pregnant yeah they definitely notice her being pregnant everyone seems to be it seems to be like the thing in the room that everyone's talking about that she doesn't want to talk about so i think we definitely have to be watching this and also the fact that you don't see lila in this episode and jenna is not with rick she's up there trying to find her true love lila and really what's going on there yeah no i i definitely was paying attention to um the way in which her pregnancy and like and her vulnerability is being discussed. So I keep thinking, you know, if this is parallel mirroring some of the um, the kind of dystopian idea of like lower fertil- fertility rates and men being really anxious. So one of the things like incel and MRA groups push really hard is that currently because feminism and, and women are awful, we have somehow created lower sperm. Uh, counts and that like we're on the brink of extinction um so and this pop this has been popping up in um dystopian lit since margaret atwood's the handmaid's tale it is and it has never left dystopian and science fiction literature um most most women writers do not blame women for it incel mra groups do um But I would also say, like, if the purge happens once a year in my world, I'm not sure I'm going to get pregnant, right? So baby Mm -hmm. might be on the decline, uh, like, similar to right now. So, like, a new Pew Forum study came out that, like, people are not having kids right now. They're also, like, not getting married, and they're pretty much dedicating their lives to their dogs. And, like, people are like, fuck millennials, they ruin marriage. Like, it's like, or, like, boomers, you ruin this world so much, none of us want to procreate into it. And none of us can afford to have children. Right, right. Like, I can barely afford my dogs. Um, So You do have, like, 13, though. Fuck you. I have two, and they're the best things that ever happened to me. They are. They're so, they're the shit. Um, so like you said, Lila is MIA. Like, yeah, you cannot find her. Well, she's behind a door. Apparently she had said that she has spent her whole life, like locking herself up on this night. Right. Yeah. Um, But Jenna's looking for her, which I think is sweet. Um, I'm a chicken shit. So I would just be looking for safety. Um, but when, when Jenna's like doing this frantic, like looking for Lila, Rick and Jenna, because Rick comes up and is like, oh, I can't believe you're looking for Lila. And I'm like, come on, dude. Lila. Yeah, he has this white man like, oh, I'm so upset my wife is in love with someone else because I'm not as sexually attractive to her anymore because I actually just want to uphold the patriarchy. Like, right, excuse. and again, we like you, actor. It's not you. It's just Rick is, it's not the right time or place in history to be Rick. So. Yeah, I will definitely take care of the actor who plays <laughs> Rick, but Rick himself can just kind of, you know, right? You know what? But they hear these gunshots and they look outside, and what is happening? The resistance. The resistance. The resistance is here. So the Stanton house is completely under attack. Um, which, I mean, is this like the first time people have resisted the purge, or you think this happens every year? I think that this is definitely like one of those like resistance groups that you hear about after purge night. But also remember, they're not top ranking from what I can understand government officials. So they can be purged. They just lock themselves up. So what's going on here is that this group 
you know, probably is trying to find out people, much like we see in the movies too, right? You know, there is a resistance there throughout the other films. And, you know, they're going to go take out these people that they can take out. I mean, they're raising a lot of money for the new founding fathers. So they're clearly got a target on their back. You know what? That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, John, but like, you're right. These aren't government officials that we know of, right? Mm -hmm. So technically, like, all bits are off. Like, y'all may have signed, like, non-purge disclosure forms, but, like, these folks outside did not. Yeah, Um, they did not. And seriously, so they are free game. Right, right. So Catalina, the, um, the Stanton maid, had told, um, or she tells... Jenna and Rick get down to the cellar, right? Get and, to the cellar. And then she announces what I just want to call from the beginning. She is part of the resistance and danger is on its way, right? So definitely Marcy was right. I was right. Never totally underestimate right. a Latina in a situ- situation of like danger. Well, never underestimate, like, the maid when it comes to this type of stuff. You're totally right. Yeah, no. And she says something really interesting. She says, sometimes revolution is the only way to make the world a better place. She says this to Jenna and Rick, right? And I, I've been thinking a lot about, like, historic riots, right? So, like, Stonewall, um, the Mobile riots, the Baltimore riots, the L.A. riots, um, the suffragettes and something that kind of caught my, my eye, um, this week, cause I was talking to a couple friends about this, like, so the oppressor always talks about moments of revolution as extremely violent, right? We're yeah. like, I can't believe it reached this bloodshed moment. And like, that's what the oppressor needs you to focus on. Right. But that's not what these moments are. These moments are months and months and years of community organizing, of planning, of trying every avenue to get things to go better, right? So like to take these moments of revolution as some snapshot, like that's all it was, is wrong, right? And then if you think about the violence, it's not two-sided violence. Most of these things were peaceful protests where violence was done onto the bodies of marginalized groups, right? So like these folks that are like rushing the Stanton mansion, it's not like they just decided one night to do it, right? We know that can't be true because Catarina clearly has been part of a much larger revolution. Yeah, she definitely like takes off her mask and is like, this is who I really am. And you realize that she's a bad ass motherfucker. It was like that moment in the second season of The Handmaid's Tale where all the Marthas proved to actually be a network, right? Yes, yes. That's what it reminded me of. Like, Offred is like, wait, what do you mean I need to go here and here? And it's like, oh, of course the Marthas are part of the resistance. Like, and they know exactly where to go. Exactly. Well, Catalina definitely sees something in Jenna, though, that we really know and have recognized from the beginning. But what she really does see and what we as viewers are coming to see is that Jenna is in a lot of danger. Right. And I do want to say Catalina does not owe that to Jenna. Jenna is a privileged white woman who went to an NFFA, like, meeting. So 
if Jenna was to die tonight, that is Jenna's fault. That is not Catalina's. So the fact that Catalina is extending an olive branch to her is going beyond her call of duty. Because I like, I want to break down that Jenna is some type of white savior. She is not. Like, you showed up at this party, which is an endorsement of the new founding fathers. You agreed to take their money. Like, bitch, you are very lucky to have met this woman who probably has more sympathy for Garbanzo than she does for Jenna, to be honest. Totally. She can totally see her. And she does see that when they finally make their way down to the basement, to the, to the, um, to the, to the cellar area where they're, Catalina is not going to help save Lila at all. Right. She says, like, no, what was it? Like, no Stanton is safe tonight? Yeah, no Stanton is safe tonight. She's basically implying that, like, no person above a certain level of privilege is safe tonight because they're only enabling the NFFA. And that's why Jenna has to go in and really be like, but no, she's, like, a really good person. She has really great hair. Which, by the way, I thought was super stupid because I almost felt like that Stanton line was a threat to Jenna as well. Like, you align yourself with Lila, like, bye, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that's going to be unraveled in these next and these latter later episodes. So, John, if you were joining the resistance in this mythical world of the purge, who would you ask to join? Like, who are the three people from pop culture, like books, movies? Like, who would you ask to join your resistance? Um, Hermione. Well played. Um, because she saved the entire Harry Potter books. Like, we can talk about that later. But that's a whole another thing. Um, oh, my God. Uh, I definitely want an Elvis Dumbledore in there somewhere because he'll have already saved it and made sure you're, if you're too stupid to not save it, that he'll leave clues over there so that way you find them and then you can <laughs> save it. And then um, I'm, I'm just going to do a Katniss because why not? Right, right. No, those are good. Those are really good. What about good. you? Huh. Well, I'm going to obviously go with Hermione because we clearly need magic. Clearly. Um, I would probably go with a Dorothy Sporznak because she would tell it to us straight and we just need someone to be like, get your shit together. Oh, Dorothy Sporznak would definitely kill some motherfuckers. And And she would have no time for bullshit. She'd be like, no, absolutely not. Um, And then my third one would probably be Cordelia from American Horror Story Coven. Oh, yes. I clearly want some dark magic shit up in here. So, um, which I think it was the last like podcast we talked about the fact that I have that tattoo that's like, we are the daughters of the witches you could not burn. So like, I find a lot of like, like it's like a balm to my heart to recall that like women, um, have for a very long time been burned at the stake metaphorically and for real because men are really fucking insecure. John, I heard a rumor, speaking of tattoos. Mm-hmm. Are you getting a tattoo today? Oh, am I? Yes, I totally am getting a what? tattoo today. Are you super scared? <laughs> I, I have one on my foot and um, I'm just more so scared because I'm not in the mood to be in pain today, but I think the country's in pain, so I'm going to mimic you it. You have one on your foot? Yeah, I have an infinity symbol on my foot. That is so Wisconsin of you. <laughs> I, it really is. It, and I, it's, it's very, um, let's see, what's the word? It's very, I, I, well, I would like to, in my defense, say I got it before infinity symbols were cool. You're so cute because I was like, I'm not going to call him a basic bitch because it's going to hurt his feelings. 
Um, I got it before all the basic bitches got it. There we go. There we go. Well, I'm super excited to hear how this tattoo goes. Yeah, a I'm little, getting a little I'm pain getting, never hurt anybody. <laughs> a little pain never hurt anyone. I mean, I, uh, along with one of my dear friends, Marie Cartier, um, am very much in love with Hillary Clinton and everything she's done. And we're diehards. And she got a tattoo that was the Methodist quote that said, do all the good you can for all the, for as many as you can, for as long as you can, that thing wrapped around her arm. I was supposed to, yeah, I was supposed to get something like that with her, but I couldn't. And she's getting something else today. And I'm getting the Hillary Clinton tattoo. Um, It's a quote that says, never stop believing that fighting for what's right is worth it. Resist. I love, I love, I have a Patronus. Like I have, um, I have a doe on my neck. Right. And then I have the Deathly Hollow symbol on my arm and then this huge one on my ribs. So so speaking of pain, do we want to talk about the creepy carnival of flesh? The creepy carnival of flesh? Do we? Yes, we do. (laughs) So, uh, okay. Well, we finally find out what's going on with Penelope. We finally figure out what's going on in this creepy carnival of flesh and who this Henry guy is. So, shocker. Henry's her ex-boyfriend, right? Drug addict ex-boyfriend. Right. Even though I'm not going to harp on drug addict because if the purge was happening, I too would probably be a drug addict. Um, so, but he's, aside from being a drug addict, a piece of shit. <laughs> a piece of shit. Right. So we get this flashback, right? Um, to Penelope has is having a very difficult time processing the purge of her family right this the the very tragic murder of her family in the first purge and so she starts hanging out with the wrong crowd henry and slowly but steadily kind of um falls into his world right which which he's a drug dealer um i thought there was a super interesting exchange between them because miguel appears to be getting into fights so penelope is like healing her bullshit with um with drugs and Miguel is healing it apparently with his fist. Right. And Penelope says to Henry, I think we're just angry. Like you have no idea what we've been through. Miguel and I are angry. And Henry in a really like crystal clear moment says, no, you're just sad. Yeah. I thought that was powerful. Yeah. You definitely get the understanding that Henry probably wasn't as bad of a guy Prior to all of this stuff. Prior to all this stuff. But, like, he clearly has some issues. And when Penelope's, like, oh, girl, like, boy, like, boy, bye, like, he kind of goes crazy ex-boyfriend on her. Right. He, like, assaults her. And then Miguel sees this happen and beats the living shit out of Henry, which explains to us why Henry, so Miguel keeps punching Henry in the eye socket. And then modern day Henry at the Carnival of Flesh has this weird eye thing. So we immediately make the the connection that like the three of them are tied to each other, right? Yeah, Hen- Miguel is definitely disfigured. Um, Henry, and it was after Miguel caught Henry trying to almost attack um, Penelope when she was saying no outside on the street in the episode. Right. And then Penelope says something that we've had, like, it's been alluded to, but this is the first time we hear it concrete. Apparently, the new founding fathers have instituted some three strikes you go to war thing, right? So this is the third time that he gets, that Miguel um, gets caught 
in some violent situation. So he needs to go and serve his time with the new founding father's army. And Penelope is furious because she feels like he is abandoning her right in this world. Right. Um, he is, he's definitely abandoning which, her. Right. Like I'm, I'm going to give her some credit that like, if, if my brother and I had lost our parents, I would do everything in my power to never abandon my brother. And that would include managing my rage issues. Um, so there's a lot of sadness and trauma that is going on with yeah. the two of them. And they're taking it out in their own way. You know, Penelope is attracted to or finds a man that, you know, gives her something like of the fulfillment that she's looking for, you know, whereas Miguel, you know, just takes out his anger and rage and the only type of masculine way that we see possible within pop culture and that's through violence physical violence and right and impacts that physical violence not on women's bodies have then but just like symbolically have on women's bodies you see how the toll it takes on penelope and really ultimately what happened to her in the end is a result of miguel's inability to deal with his shit which is shout out why I love Newt Scamander, who is <laughs> completely the opposite of this type of toxic masculinity. So, and look, Henry says he lost his parents to lives of crime, like super sad, but I don't give a shit. In the carnival of flesh moment, that past is the past. And here's this dude who just bought Penelope like cattle to purge her because he's pissed. Like, shit man like i'm gonna tell you what of all the people i would want to buy me at auction my ex-boyfriend is not it yeah that I'm, is definitely not something you want to like, well shit uh and i kept thinking like yeah this is this is not gonna go well but also he's being super intentional with a lot of the symbolism and ritualistic aspect to the killing he has set up right so he like has a private tent area. Yeah, he like rented a private tent. Like, where is this drug dealer? I mean, obviously we know where he's getting his money, but like, what the hell? Like, that is like some private suite luxury shit. Did he like buy the the luxury package that he's like, I'll have one luxury package, yeah, please? I'm like, Thank I you definitely so got a Groupon. <laughs> there, Groupon definitely exists in this <laughs> universe, and you definitely know on Purge Night, teeth whitening is like super cheap. <laughs> so like he does this weird thing where he like anoints her with water and then she's on a pyre to be burned like like a witch in Salem like which the Salem witch trials do not for me bring up the hatred of witchcraft in the U.S. they bring up the hatred of women like yeah burned women at stakes we shoot men, but we burn women alive. So I'm like, I'm like crossing myself, right? I'm like, oh my God, Penelope, my God, my God. And like, then he says the weirdest shit. He says, I, you know, we'll get through this moment and then I'll be able to like see you in my dreams for the rest of my life. And I was yeah, like- Yeah, he's, he's definitely, you see the, uh, the, the flashback almost like to Allison after she purged Mark you know, I'm supposed to be feeling something right now. I'm supposed to be feeling something that was promised to me. And she's not, she's not feeling that because she actually just killed someone that she liked actually, that she was attracted to. And he sees the same thing with Henry. Like he is- Yeah, I think he thinks he'll thing. feel something he won't feel. Like exactly. She'll, she'll just be gone. It's and an then, addiction. Right. It's an addiction to feeling something, 
which um, modern studies on addiction and drugs um, have talked about how like the opposite of addiction is not um, being sober, it's feeling connected. So that like everything we know about addiction is wrong. It's not that like, um, that folks are looking to get high. It's that folks are super, super sad about not feeling connected to people. And I think you see that with Henry. And then the most magical thing happens. Miguel finally fucking runs into Penelope. He finally finds Penelope after right. five episodes. Right. And is still fucking useless. And Stop. is still so fucking useless because <laughs> basically what happens is, is that Miguel um, gets to the area um, where the Carnival of Flesh with the creepy like cowboy guy and... Um, who we find out has his landlady and her son in the back because they keep raising the rent. Like, okay, I see how you're dealing with rent control in your local area. But what happens is, is he basically pulls a fast one on the guy because, you know, there's a moment in the episode where you think Miguel's just going to be complicit in the killing of these two people that he doesn't know. And you're like, Oh, come on, Miguel, don't do that yet. But what happens is, is he's actually just in another segment, he attacks the cowboy, knocks him unconscious, releases the two who totally like white privilege Miguel's ass. And they're like, you know, give us the truck, give us the car, because they don't know where to go because they're white and they're privileged and they have no idea like what to do on purge night because they've never had to deal with it. And Miguel quickly unarms this you know teenage guy her son the landlady's son and you know it's like never you know attack the person that tried to save your life and so miguel gets in the truck goes into the carnival of flesh literally hands off the cowboy guy like you know here you go here's my offering like i brought him for you and then walks around and what happens is is the cowboy wakes up because apparently all D-bags know each other, alerts everyone, <laughs> and lets them know that there's been a breach. And they find Miguel, and he's taken down by security guards right before he sees Jenna with, in the tent. Not Jenna, Henry. Penelope. I'm sorry, Penelope in, the, in the tent. Well, if, I mean, maybe Jenna will be there, too. I was going to say, no. are you doing prophecy right now? Like, are we going to end up with Jenna at some carnival? Uh, if they all end up at the carnival of flesh, I'm going to feel real good about myself. But yeah, so he definitely sees um, uh, Penelope with Henry. But there's something really interesting, Marcy, that I know that you're going to really want to talk about. And that's right before he gets captured. He runs into a military buddy. Yeah. Whole, whole fall of Saigon, like a like, um, uh, monologue. Yeah, so he runs into his military buddy who also got a Groupon for Carnival of Flesh and rented out um, the... <laughs> I just keep laughing over the Groupon. <laughs> well, because, like, I, like, I don't know. I'm just, like, trying to think of what the world will look like during all of this. It's not that far from our world. Do you think there's, like, a Facebook shopping network as well? Like, oh, for, the- for sure. Like, a home purge network, like... Um, oh, okay. Sorry. We yeah, digress. No, for, sure. I, for sure. Like we, the capitalism commodifies everything. Right. So his buddy, he, they run into each other. They see each other. They're excited to see each other. And then Miguel realizes that his buddy is actually purging inside of a tent that is doing like a fake fall of Saigon. Right. And Miguel's like horrified. Right. And he says, like, we are soldiers. We don't hurt civilians. And, like, his buddy looks at him and he's like, honestly, purging once a year keeps me okay the other 364 days a year. Um, 
And I don't interpret this as like a new founding fathers type of like, if I purge one day a year, I feel better. I interpreted this as this is a broken man who served in the military and he's literally trying to get his shit together. And this is the best he's been able to do. And that's what I saw too. I also saw saw the opioid epidemic really coming through here. With yeah. you know, we totally do not treat veterans well in our society, our actual real society here, and clearly not in the purge universe as well. And many of them have a lot of pain and trauma that they cannot deal with, that they don't have the yeah. money to deal with, that they don't have the medical equipment to deal with, and they go to drugs, much the like you know, right? They don't have they don't have that. And you yeah, and you see that, and you see really the effects of what it had, and you see how that, how the opioid epidemic is ripping through this country, um, but really what, how the purge is very, you know, symbolic of doing that same thing and ripping through this universe with offering something to these people that are struggling with pain and trauma. Yeah, and I think it's like a come to Jesus moment for Miguel, right? That like, um, which I've had friends who are military who've had this come to Jesus moment that is simultaneously, I love my brothers. I respect our intention behind our service. Um, but we are broken. We may have perpetuated harm and that obedience to the government is not always the best thing. Right. Um, like I, I would wonder now, right. For a lot of, of, of men, actually, I don't have to wonder about it. Like Colin Kaepernick is a really good example. Um, a bunch of like, assholes come out and say that Colin Kaepernick and his protests are hurting military vets. I have yet to hear like a military vet not be like, no, actually that's why we fucking went. Right. So the idea that like the masses know what's good and like what to do and like that there isn't like this perpetuating of harm in these systems of power, like the military is like bonkers to me. So, but I thought it was like, this is what the purge does really well. It gives you a tiny vignette that is such a huge critique of our modern society. Um, like who, his buddy, Miguel's buddy, they broke him. They broke him so much that he needs to go and shoot humans to feel better. Like that is as broken as I can think, right? That is so broken. And I think the one thing that we really see then, you know, it's really interesting because Henry's clearly, um, the Henry's broken, his war buddy is broken. Everyone is broken in this society. This purge is really clearly just a privileged purge and who can really take advantage of it and what they get but it's not coming down to the masses, just like what you saw when you watched the fourth film then too. People right. aren't really purging. And so I think we see a lot of thematic, you know, Cubat, like, you know, uh, uh, inroads to the films that really teach us how these things are being explored. And that's why when Miguel, you know, finally gets captured and sees Penelope, I think he's truly broken as well. Right. And before we jump out of the Carnival of Flesh and like, sorry for listeners, but there was a lot to cover in the Carnival of Flesh and it kind of happened in these sporadic kind of like snapshots. Um, Two things. Um, Penelope has a very weird moment. Not weird. As someone who was in a cult, this is actually a really great and liberating moment, but she reclaims her agency while she's tied to this pyre, right? Mm -hmm. So Miguel gets kind of dragged away, right? And Penelope's on her own with Henry again. And 
you can see that Henry blames Penelope and Miguel for his brokenness. And Penelope has a moment of clarity where she says to him, I'm tired of being scared. Like the worst you can do is kill me. And I'm not afraid of that. And that is coming from a different place than like purify my flesh. Like when, when we meet Penelope and she's chanting like purify my flesh, like I can't wait to be part of the giving. That's a scared, broken girl who's like, I just want to die. That is a suicide wish, right? This is not a suicide wish. This is a fuck you. Even if you kill me, you will not break me. And like, that is such a huge, like three, like that's, that's a 180. I was about to say 360 because I can't do math. That is like huge um, because that is what it takes to resist. To resist is to see the, the greater picture and your integrity as a human as bigger than the moment, right? So I think this yeah. is huge. Um, and then she even retakes the, the like fucking words of purify my flesh and they're no longer a suicide mantra. They're like, do it. Do, I literally, I dare you to do it. And she takes and, that power. And we definitely see, and we apologize listeners, because there's a lot that's going on in this episode. It really is. How she really got to the blue cult people. And oh my God, yes. Please break this down, John. So basically, Miguel hit three strikes and he has to go to war. And he and Penelope are talking and she's completely broken. He leaves and she sits there and this is probably the lowest she's ever been. She's She's like at a rehab, right? She's like at a rehab or like at some group home or something like that. Um, And who do we see but the blue cult later person come up to her and in her lowest and most vulnerable moment, take advantage of her. And that is where cults and these groups really do thrive in this power scenario where they get you at your lowest when you you would not choose to do that on a regular day but when you have nothing else to give or nothing else to get that is the thing that they you know exploit and that is what the blue cult leader lady who acted it beautifully um you see it in her eyes where she's like i've got one she looked way less creepy uh she does on that bus um, so I, th- I think this is really interesting. Like I, I, like I, <laughs> I was in a cult. Hey, um, I went to the church that was associated with this very oppressive group that I joined in college. I went the day after I had to break a friend out of a room because she was being assaulted the day after. So I had a very terrible experience in college, which has been seriously triggered by this Kavanaugh bullshit. Um, I had to break out a friend uh, from a room. This dude was on top of her, hand on her mouth. He was trying to rape her, but he ended up like bruising her. Like he bruised her jaw, like nearly broke her jaw. He broke some of my ribs when I was trying to get get her out. And um, we went to the hospital that night and the, um, the local cops dissuaded us from pressing charges because they said our family would be super embarrassed and his life would be ruined, this guy, right? Within 24 hours, the only thing I knew to do was to go to a church because I grew up super Catholic. And I went to this church with a buddy of mine and one of the leaders of this group turns around, sees me crying and like the rest is history. Like I lost like five years of my life 
to a super orthodox bullshit anti-woman um, order. And I related so much to this moment because, and I've written about this on the Engage Gaze for anyone who kind of wants to delve into it a little further. Um, this is what they do. This is what they do. Like they, there is a profile for people who join cults, a profile for men. It's men with men, like father issues. It's men who are struggling with their sexuality. It's men who struggle with women. So like fucking losers who are like falling for the incel message that like women don't love them because X, Y, Z and like women owe them X, Y, Z. Um, so this scene, like, I'm so glad you brought it up because it was, so much has happened this week that I had almost forgotten, but it was a huge trigger for me because I was like, I have lived that moment. I have been hit up like that. Yeah. It's definitely that scene um, or like that feeling that, you know, the ones that we love the most that break our hearts the easiest. Yeah, and I think yeah. Penelope sees that with Miguel, but also I think Penelope sees that with the blue cult people, you Agreed. know, that she, she, you know, you, that type of agency that they gave her, you know, it broke her heart, but she reclaimed it and she's doing something with it. And that yeah. leads us obviously that so to deep, Penelope. Man. That is so deep to acknowledge that the loss of the blue cult would be just as painful a loss for her. Yeah, I definitely think it is. I mean, I definitely think you see it with LGBT people that are very religious but have to end up believing yes. their religion because of the ways in which, you know, religion, you can only walk into a building so much that tells you you're going to hell when you truly know in your heart that you're not, but you're never going to change so many times. And I think that's something that we see a lot today. You can only go to your uncle's house that, you know, is horribly racist and hates, you know, everything. And as a Trump supporter, you know, when you voted for Hillary and you don't agree with that so many times before you break. John, I'm like hugging you through my microphone. Like, yeah, like I, I feel like a deep kinship to you in this moment. Um, because that melancholy of losing safe spaces is devastating. So I want to give like a gold star to people listening because <laughs> we have taken you on quite a carnival ride through the carnival of flesh. And if you're still listening, y'all have fucking gold stars. Um, gold stars. And that leads us to our favorite group yes. of the part the matron saints marcy why don't you break down jane and the matron saints for us right so so last time we checked jane had jumped in the winnebago do we need winnebagos john to join the resistance i personally would rather i would like to get a winnebago yeah i, I would totally vacation with you <laughs> yeah let's get a winnebago so <laughs> jane is on the winnebago with the matron saints and they end up going to a domestic uh, violence situation, right? And so we come in with the matron saints and Jane and the matron saints clearly are doing vigilante work. So they walk into the situation where a husband, which again, like the stuff I hadn't thought about, it's not just that you can purge on purge night. You can beat the living shit out of your wife. Like no consequences whatsoever, like nothing. Um, and I, I would guess like, we're looking at like, you can't bring that up in divorce proceedings. You can't bring that up in custody hearings. Like this is the one night a week. Everyone has a white ticket. So the matron saints stop that bullshit and they grab this dude and they're about to brand him with the word pig on his forehead, which yes, yes, 
100% yes. We see a really sad thing happen though that is super common in domestic abuse. The wife struggles with defending her husband, right? She's yeah. like, no, 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 like, please stop, please stop. Like, he didn't mean it and, and the, all this stuff and like. And they're like, listen here, like he did mean it and he's only going to keep meaning it. He's only going to keep doing this, dude. Like, which is so true. Like I refuse, huh, Kavanaugh. I refuse to believe that if you do something once, you stopped, right? So I don't think that a dude whose intention on purge night was to beat the living shit out of his wife is going to not do it for another 364 days. This woman is clearly in like imminent danger. Um, But the matron saints grab that blowtorch. Which are on sale. There's a Groupon for blowtorches. Oh my God. Yes. And branding, right? Like, do you call someone and say, like, I want to brand people with the word asshole? Like, I love I just it. have those, Marcy, around my house. I don't know if you do, but I have them ready to go at the moment. Since. Like I said, I really like pain. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like, and the matron saints do their shit. They do their vigilante work, right? And Jane's like, stop. There's better Jane's ways. like, stop. Don't do this to this horrible person. She's, she brings up legalism. She's like, there's ways to deal with this within the law, which is when I completely lose Jane. And you go, fuck you, Susan Collins. I'm sorry, Jane. Right. Stop and acting you're like, like Susan Collins. Stop acting like Susan Collins. Women perpetuate the patriarchy. And you definitely see Jane doing that here. Yeah, when she's like, the law, the law is what caused the purge. The law. Like, the law is what has allowed this to happen. And like, it's weird to have a woman of color representing white women on this show. I'm not particularly comfortable with it yet. Um, But I think she's going to have a break moment where she realizes that, and it's not that she's representing white power or white supremacy. She's representing how trained people of color and minority groups are to be submissive to the powers that be. And so the matron saints are like, no girl, like, no get your house in order like the law will not help anyone the law is what got us here um like matron madeline just breaks it down for her right what does she say the purge is not the law it's the absence of law yeah something really deep themselves like uh, that rings true to me right now like the supreme court the senate the house the presidency that's not the law that is now the and it will not save you Yes, yes. Fuck, man. These institutions are no longer going to save you. And that's why the matron saints exist. Right. So I still want to join the matron saints. Do Um, you, Marcy? I never would have thought that. I do. I still need my leather jacket. (laughs) Yeah, the actress Um, that plays the lead matron saint is a badass on Twitter. And I just want to give her a quick shout out. because She's been great on Twitter, for sure. Great. And the matron saints are everything. But I will say that Jane has a moment where like, she's like, y'all, I need to get out of here and I need to stop what I've done. And the matron saints are not upset with her. They, they support her in whatever her deconstruction looks like. That is what real feminism looks like. That is what real liberation looks like. They're not going to force Jane to join the matron saints. They're like, if you have shit to do, go do it. Here's our card. Come back and find us. Not even. They were like, we will find you. We will come to your aid if you need us. That's what an ally looks like. Um, 
it, it was, it was perfection. Like I thought it was perfection. And so Jane calls her mom because seriously, Jane is probably part Latina because only Latinas call their moms like 37 times a day, like to be like, Hey mom. So like Jane calls her mom and like her mom has that, like your mom has a spidey sense, right? Yeah. Always. Yeah. My mom has a spidey sense. So Jane's kind of like, love you, mom. Like, I'm Jane, get your shit together. You don't call your mom on purge night acting super shady without your mom being like, my daughter's about to die. Um, my daughter's about to die. And definitely there's something that's going on here that we're about to find out in the next episode with the actions that she put in place. Yeah, she, she, um, she gives us a bit, sorry. She gives us a bit of a, a sneaking preview of what the purge world looks like. So whenever we have someone running the streets of the purge, uh, the purge art direction and costume group does really good jobs of giving us weird, like, um, images of what people would purge like. So she's running to David's house and she passes like these pussycat purge dolls. Oh my God. Yes. Their truth. Right. Um, they're living their best. They're living their Lindsay Lohan and Mykonos bitch. Girl, that is so shady. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, if you don't know, go to like Radar Online because just Google like, Lindsay Lohan and Mykonos. Right, you'll never, you will not regret it. All right, so I think something that we have to pay attention to is when Jane rings the doorbell to David's. Did you get like a pit in your stomach? I definitely got like one of those like enter at your, you know, peril type yeah. of feelings. I feel like she's miscalculated this whole thing. Yeah, I think he totally used her feelings to take advantage of her, knowing that she would put herself in harm's way almost. And he said in the first episode, he watches everything. He definitely has cameras everywhere. And he definitely knows she's probably coming for him. Or, you know, like, I mean, why wouldn't he? And so I think that she's walking into a room full of a lot of hurt that's about to come her way. Completely agree. The Harry Potter reference would be she's walking into Devil's Snare. So two things before we close out this episode. The vigilante purge dude uh, is still doing his vigilante thing. He's still out there on the streets with that creepy ass mask. I am so bored by that story. Like, I I have no interest in it whatsoever. Yeah, we're just moving along at this point. Moving along. And then our final piece, which we usually weave into the episode, but I feel like we should focus on it this week. John, who's your purge of the week? By the way, that's our signal that, like, that was our breakdown of a very difficult episode. Our hearts are twisted this week. We appreciate you coming along this very twisty ride. (laughs) Yeah, we appreciate you because it's been a really rough week. But, you know, this episode had so much in it. It was the fifth episode. So we have only got five more episodes to go. So we're definitely going to get a lot darker in this later half of the season we'll try to be funnier next time it's just our hearts are heavy but john who would you purge this week um joe manchin because he sits there and calls himself a democrat wants democrats to vote for him and wants to be endorsed by them but then he votes for someone like brett kavanaugh joe manchin's gotta go on purge night preach minus susan collins there's a special fucking place in hell for women who hurt women and there's a special place in fucking hell for women who spend 40 minutes 
preaching about how awful other women and survivors are and then oh. basically say oh i'm voting for this guy like i to quote one of my favorite senators here in california i want my time back and yes. i literally yes. like want want you to like apologize to all of us like shame on you susan collins like, shame white women get your shit together get your shit together and that image of her with two white women sitting behind her i almost threw up y'all we're gonna let you go and we will be back this week for episode six um and we will have fuller hearts because we all deserve some time to process what's happened this week but we are gonna keep resisting like like the resistance radio in deathly hallows we are, um, and hopefully we don't have to start screaming or saying um, who was taken by the Death Eaters this week. Agreed, agreed. Uh, thank you all for listening. Happy purging. Happy purging. And join us in the resistance. Happy purging.